Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and I'm going to read this and we'll keep going, okay? Luke 22 and verse 31, this is talking to Peter, uh, Simon Peter, but in this reference it says Simon, Simon, but he's talking to the Apostle Peter. This is pre-Apostle um, apostleship, if you will, this is Peter, um, with loud mouth and you know what I'm saying? Like in Texas, they say, I'll talk, I'll hat and no cattle. You know what I mean? That was Peter back then. It was when Jesus was with him, it was a lot of talk. Oh, I'm a bad man. But when Jesus was gone, he took, you know, he ran, right? First one out the gate was Peter. He ran. So he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like we, and again, I don't have time to get into this, but if you want to go up and hear the first message, it'll explain, I'll explain to you why he's saying he demands permission. And I have time to get in that right now. But I have prayed for you. This is Jesus saying, but I'm praying for you. So if Peter needed Jesus to pray for us, how many know that we probably need Jesus to pray for us? All right? If he prayed for Peter, he's praying for us too. But I've prayed for you. Why? That your faith may not fail, which means that um, there's a possibility his faith could fail. There's no reason to think as a Christian that we are at a place of infallibility. We are very much fallible people. That means we, we can fall. You should never get to the place that says, I will not ever. People that do that, they typically are the first ones too. Because when you declare, I will never, well, guess what? Not only does the enemy hear that, but you have just declared in your own strength that I will never. What you be better to say would be like what James talks about. Be careful, my brethren. Be careful. And don't think that sin couldn't overtake you as some has happened to some of our brothers. He's saying a better thing to do is come to the Lord and say, hey, God, with your help, Lord Jesus, thank you. With you, I'm trusting you to help me, Lord, so that I never. It's a whole different context of phrase when you say, I'm asking Jesus to help me never. Versus when I say I. That, guy, that I word, you know, in the Bible? That I thing caused that other dude to fall like lightning. You remember him? Be careful how we declare certain things. Well, I would never do that. Well, you're making judgment on somebody else because they did. Be careful, my brother, lest you yourself fall. Right? You understand? We can fall. You are in, you are not God. I'm not God. So if Peter could fall, all of us could fall. But Jesus said, I pray that your faith would not fail and that you, when you have returned again or when you turn again after your denial, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Now, if you've ever had to return something, we're going to talk today about um, how do we return. If you've ever had to return something, there are some stores that are easier to return things to than others, right? Um, there's some that, I mean, you know, you've got to give them your license, a birth certificate, draw blood, you know, everything to get your item back. And it's within the 30 days, you know, and all. Then there's some people just as gracious as they can be. I mean, I go, most of the time when I buy my stuff, where you work on our home or farm, whatever, I, I don't mind telling you, some of the guys go to church here, but I go to Lowe's a lot, and here's the reason why. Those guys are wonderful. I go in, and if I don't have my receipt, it's in the system and they say, hey, and now this one, I know most of them by name. And they say, hey, yeah, no problem. I bought it online, brought it in. Man, it wasn't the right size. Hey, no problem. You got, you want to put on Lowe's card, put it back on your card. Which one you want? Don't matter to me. What's easiest for you? Ah, there you go. They're just easy. I mean, there's some, and, and it could be a big purchase. They just deal with it. There's some places, they're awful. Have you dealt with them before? 
Well, when did you buy it? Well, it's right there on the receipt. I mean, I guess it was, well, you are, you are two minutes past the return time. I'm sorry, we're not going to give it back to you. And they almost pride themselves in, you're not getting your money. It's just weird. So when you return something, though, the funny thing is, if you take a receipt that belongs to Walmart and an item from Walmart, and you try to go to Lowe's, no matter how easy the process is, how many know they're not going to take it back? Because it's not their store. And so when you return something, first of all, you need the receipt, you know, maybe a digital or a paper, don't mind, but you've got to go to the right store. Right? You understand what I'm saying? We've got to go to the right store. And then you've got to be nice. My wife taught me that. You've got to be nice. Don't go in there demanding because you paid for it. Go in there nice. Because they just dealt with 20 other nasty, mean Christians with Christian little crosses and everything else. They didn't deal with all. You go in nice. If you got on that WWJD, hide it with your sleeve if you're going to be mean. Don't go in there. Be nice to people. My wife said, it, it helps. You know, it, it just, just be nice. And it works. She's right. Most of the time, everybody, it just works out. But you got to go to the right store. And so when Jesus uh, finds Peter and he challenges him to return after denial, he's saying, return to what? What does he ask him to return to? And the folks we're going to talk today about this is, is what are we returning to? So let me read to you what Jesus says to Peter. This is after the denial, resurrection. Now Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He is approaching Peter. If you remember, before the rooster crowed, he denied Jesus three times. Remember that? At the fire, from the girl, from the other people. He denied Jesus three times and ran. Now this is after Jesus is resurrected. He is meeting them on the beachhead, if you will. There, and he, there's some things going on, and he's talking to Peter. And this is what he says, John 21 and verse 15. So <clears throat> Jesus says to um, Peter, and for those of you who wonder a little bit about heaven and food, um, here's your answer right here. This is after the resurrection. So when they had finished breakfast, nice, you know, nice. Oh, man, are we going to eat in heaven? Apparently so, because Jesus ate some fish and whatever else on the beach that they had. He's cooking fish. If you go read this, he's cooked the fish for him, you know? Anyway, I just want to throw that in in case she's wondering, like, man, you know, are we going to have food up there? Apparently so. So anyway, so he says to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, remember, Peter denied him three times. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, he said to Peter, tend my lambs. And then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. So first he's saying, tend my lambs. Now he's saying, shepherd my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, uh, Peter was grieved at this because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now, Jesus wasn't trying to put a guilt trip on him. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to help him uh, redirect. He denied him three times to give him three opportunities to understand his love and his mercy and his grace will overshadow however many times you turn away. Um, he's willing to come back and, and meet you anytime you want to turn back to him. If you want to return to Jesus, it don't matter 20, 30, 40. Listen, if he asks us to forgive our neighbors 70 times seven every single day, how many you know he's willing to do the same for you? His mercies are unending. His mercies are everlasting. His forgiveness is, I mean, you just can't exhaust Jesus and what he's willing to do for you. Just return back to him. That's it. But, but Peter here has been given an instruction that Jesus said to him, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, and tend my sheep. And sometimes we're, we forget this, but in the Bible, I hate to say, you know, it wouldn't it be great if you were considered a bear. 
It sounds cool, right? Grizzly, yeah, baby. Big man, you know. Or, or if you was like the tiger or a lion or something ferocious, like, you know, those animals you see when you go to like the Atlanta Zoo, you see big tigers and lions up. They get up and just get them big teeth and they look so like strong and powerful. But no, no. God does not compare us to the lion. He doesn't give you that joy of being a bear. I think the American Indian, they thought it would be cool, so they named themselves after these, you know, different things and all that kind of stuff. But whatever it was, you know, I don't know of any Native American that ever named themselves running sheep. <laughs> you think he would have? And before anybody says anything or tells me anything about American Indians, Native American, whatever, my grandfather was, so don't give me that baloney about Indians. I don't want to hear it. Can't call anybody Indians anymore. Can't call them Native American. I don't know what you, my grandfather was one, so just leave me alone about it. Don't mess with me about that. Get me going on that stuff. So the point is, though, not one. I've never heard, I've never heard a tribe say, I'm running Indian. I mean, I'm running, I'm running sheep. Woo! I'm running sheep. What do you hear? I got good fleece. Like, no, they don't do that. But you are compared to a sheep. In the Bible, the Lord Jesus and God Almighty, the Father from heaven that you love and he's so gracious to you, he called you a sheep. I mean, I just hate to tell you, they're the most feeble I didn't say dumb. She said that. <clears throat> I'm not going to object to it, but I'm just saying they need a lot of help. Now, in the case you're wondering, just because I'm a pastor, I'm not excluded from this. A pastor needs a shepherd too. It don't matter. We're sheep too. I, I get the odd privilege of being a shepherd or a pastor, but it don't matter. I'm still a sheep. God calls us all sheep. And I wish he called us something else, but he doesn't. And if you want to watch some weird videos, just go online and watch some I mean, things like they, sheep just aren't bright. They're just not bright animals. You'd be better off if he called you a cow. They're smarter. Cows don't need shepherds. They eat the hay. They walk around. They see weird stuff. They don't mess with it. Sheep are like, huh, what's that thing over there? It's hairy. It's got big teeth. It's growling. It's licking its chops. Why? Let's go see what he does. I'm like, oh. A sheep will see that happen and watch. Next day, the same thing could happen again if they don't have a shepherd. It's the weirdest thing. So God calls us sheep. We need shepherd. And what does this mean about tending? So I want to show you something here real quick as we go forward. Why Jesus told Peter, he said, I want you to tend after my lambs. I want you to shepherd my sheep. I want you to tend my sheep. So it means to have care or look after. Okay, so this first slide I want to show you is this first word, and I can't pronounce it because it's in Hebrew, but both of these two words I'm going to show you this morning, they transfer over and the same meaning is in the Greek. But this first one I want to show you right here, it is the word to keep watch, to watch over. I don't know if you can see it. I'll get out of your way. But it means to watch over, to keep, to keep watch over, to keep from something. You'll see all these different words around it. This is 60 times in the Old Testament. And if you break these down, you can break them down even further. But the idea is here that you are guarding something. You're there to protect. You're to watch over. Like you have your eye on it, you know? You understand what I'm saying? Like when you go to Six Flags, you go to Walt Disney World, and you have a young child, you know, I have a little pipe, you know, six years of age. No, yeah, it, I, I trust the system, you know, way more at Disney probably than at Six Flags, but I know they have never lost a kid that wasn't found. You know what I mean? They, they find them. But do you not watch your child? I want them to ride the rides. I want them to enjoy their time. But my first priority, if I'm at Disney World, Six Flags, any big amusement park like that, what is my, I, I, you know, if their chicken tenders are cold, we'll get over it. My number one thing is what? To watch them. Because why? Y'all know as well as I do, people think that because I'm a pastor is why I, uh, I watch over my children like I do. It has nothing to do with being a pastor. 
My problem is working with kids. When I started out working with kids, I got to see what all goes on out there. And if you're in law enforcement or a court or you're an attorney, anything that's in that area where you have had to deal with social work or whatever, you know what's out there, and therefore you observe a little bit more than probably what the average person does. A lot of people think, oh, my kid's just fine. Everything's just fine. It's just crazy. It's just great. You don't check on anything that goes on. Listen, buddy, look, I got it right now. My eyes are on. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because they're my babies. They're my little lambs. What would you think about a shepherd that had a flock of sheep and here the most vulnerable of them all, and he never watched out for them? Wouldn't be a very good shepherd, would he? Would he? It wouldn't. So you, he's saying to them, guard, protect, when he says, especially tend my lambs, watch over them. That's what it, the second Hebrew word, and like I said, I can't pronounce it for you, so just you just deal with that, you know. <laughs> so here you go. I mean, you try it. You know, there you go, uh, whatever that is. So this is in 167 different places. It is an Old Testament. Now, if you go to the New Testament, it transfers in the Greek, and it's multiple, multiple times, okay? 167. It means to feed, to graze, to drive out, to pasture. It means to really, the whole idea is to feed, make sure they have good grass. A shepherd would rotate the fields, they rotate the, the animals, get them in, when they began to run out of food here, they move them over to this field. Why? Because this has been depleted. They'd make sure they had water. Once they ran out of water, if that spring ran out, whatever, they'd move to another location. And so when God refers to us as sheep, the idea is to understand that as sheep, we need protection. We need somebody to watch out for us. Doesn't mean not talking about necessarily me as a pastor. Part of my job is, yes, to watch over things. When I see weird stuff coming down the pike, I'll tell you. If I think it's odd, and some people are like, I never even thought about that. Well, it's the strangest thing. I don't know how to explain it, but spiritually, the Lord will show me something that I just say sometimes. You need to watch out for that. Why? Well, I didn't see it coming. Well, I did. I mean, it's just a, I don't know. It's just something God gives for why. Because I'm a pastor. I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get bought into some weird stuff out there that's going to hurt you or your family. But the second thing, the larger context of it is, is feeding. Because sheep will get malnourished if they stay in one place consistently. So that's why when you preach and teach God's word, you can't just focus on one thing. Because if you focus on one thing, sheep get weird. Remember, God referred to us as sheep. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. He said it. But if you focus on one thing consistently and that's all you ever do, then we get weird. And you see it out there when people, that's all they do. They don't one thing and never get off of it. One topic, that's it. They just get weird. So God says, when you feed sheep, you got to rotate through and do this. So Peter is being told now, watch over the church and feed the church, whether they're younger or they're older or, or no matter what, they're your flock, watch over them. And we all need a shepherd because why? We weren't meant to be on our own. If you don't have a shepherd, I don't mean you got to have hang out with me and have coffee. That is not what a shepherd does. But if in your church, the reason we do small groups and what we do is so that you have a relational connection in the church that goes past Sunday morning. Because Sunday morning, you can easily come in and go out of pasture on your own and no one would ever know it. But in a relational connection, you cannot come and go as you please. You understand what I, I can't go home and goes, I'm in a small group. My, the guys in my group will not let me just come and go as I please. What do you mean by that? It means I get challenged by them. Well, yeah, but you're the pastor. So what? I ain't preaching something I ain't doing myself. 
you need connection. Why? Because it keeps you in the pasture. I don't mean in the four walls of this church, heart concave, whatever this is, but you, you understand what I mean. You need relational connection. Why? It keeps you in the pasture of God's field where he wants you. You're not on your own. Sheep that get on their own, they get eaten. The period. Watch National Geographic. You'll see it. They get eaten. I mean, if antelopes get taken down by tigers, believe me, sheep have no... I mean, have you ever seen a sheep turn around and fight? <laughs> Doing some kicking and kung fu? You ever seen a sheep... Like, I mean, they bite. They do bite. But have you ever really seen one attack another animal and win? No, they don't win. They're weak. It's, it's awful to think that God calls us weak. I mean, it just... But he does. But Jesus is telling Peter something here that's very important for us to all understand about sheep. He's giving him instruction about tending and watching over the church. But he goes on to finish this, and he keeps talking to Peter because he had this specific job description. And he reminds him to return to this. But listen to verse 18. Jesus says to Peter, now, doesn't this sound kind of sheepish when you hear Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you get older, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. He says, now, this he said, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. Talking about Peter. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. So Peter turning around. (laughs) Jesus is talking to Peter. Follow me. Peter goes, now, okay, you give him the first line, maybe he misunderstood. Maybe he thought Jesus was talking to the rest of the disciples. So he looks back to say, okay, y'all following? Come on, follow the leader. Get in line. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Give him that one, okay? How about the next part? When he spoke in this, Jesus said to him, follow me. In verse 20, Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, he didn't pick on anybody else. What caused John's annoying. I mean, let's just be real. If, you're, if you can't agree with that, you're John. Okay, that's your personality. You're the disciple whom Jesus loved. Good gracious alive. I'm not a John personality. John personalities, I look and go like, give me a break. You're so annoying. You know, and all the disciples, you know, that's what people, why did he look at him? Because he's annoying. Oh, he's the guy in the painting. He's on over his shoulder. Where's Peter at? He's over there dipping stuff, eating, you know. What's going on, man? What's going on? You know, he, it's just John. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he says, you know, verse 21, so Peter's seeing him, talking about John. He says to Jesus, Lord, what about What about him? Sheepish, right, don't it? And so Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? <laughs> but doesn't it sound sheepish, right? Like Peter, it sounds just like a sheep. Yeah, but what about them? And that's why our kids, right, when, well, that's not fair. Why did they get ice cream? Well, they cleaned their room. Well, that's not fair. What about me? Or what about them? Or what about... Is that not what we do? Oh, we do it. Don't you look at me so holy. You're sheep. I'm a sheep. I know how you act. You're just looking all like, no, bad. I'm, I'm, I'm holy. <laughs> you're like a holy little sheep. No, you're not. You're just as fleshly as everybody else sometimes. But he said to him, what does it matter if he lives until I come back? As for you, Peter, you follow me. You follow me. I got to be real honest with all of us this morning, it's a very important two words. Regardless of whatever else happens and whatever else other people do, whatever they get, whatever blessing they have and whatever advances they may have in the kingdom that you don't have. As for you, Jesus says, follow me. 
Not, not me. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow him. Let me give you just a couple of contexts. Let me throw three different scriptures. You can find this in context-wise all throughout the Bible. Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. This is everywhere. But watch this. Look at these three verses. Matthew 4, Matthew 16, John 12. Look at the, look at the different questions. We know these verses or you've heard them at some point. Maybe you've never read them, but they're very familiar. They're very used in different contexts. Follow me. Why? So I can make you a fisherman of men. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. If you want to, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up the cross and do what? And then he says, if you want to serve me, and I love this one right here. If you want to serve me, you're going to have to do what? Follow me. It's the best. Those two words for a Christian need to be the the two most probably important words after salvation is follow me. Because there's going to be times when you see other people like John, like, look at John. Are you, so he doesn't get crucified upside down. What does he get to do? Like, huh? He's going to be banished to an island. Oh, whoa. How terrible is that? You can hear Peter, right? You know, you can kind of hear it. Well, John was boiled in oil, left for dead on the island of Patmos, went through a number of different things, but he did live to be a ripe old age. The last of the apostles was John. But it didn't matter. What does that have to do with anything? Stephen was one of the first Christians martyred. Stephen wasn't walking around complaining, but what about this guy? What about that guy? As for you, follow me, he is saying. And we would all do better if we stopped looking at other people and seeing what God's doing in their life and comparing it with what he's doing in our life and saying it's not fair. That's sheep talk. What we need to have is some disciple talk and say, all right, well, good for them. Praise the Lord. As for you, follow me. So this story comes from Luke 5. And I'm going to read you, I'm going to give you a little context. And I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts about returning to the Lord because I think that's what God really wanted me to get across is, is, is how do we return to the Lord and some things. Luke 5, 1, he says, Now it happened that the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now this is pre-disciples uh, being called. This is pre-resurrection. This is one of the very first times. I believe Jesus probably approached these men a number of different times because I don't think anybody's going to just sell their boats and leave and follow a guy that's a preacher after one conversation. Even Jesus. I think it was some relational times going on there. I think it was a pretty... Uh, pretty obvious, a small town, things like that. But anyway, he says this. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw, this is the Galilee, Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. And in case you're wondering why, okay, it has a number of different names. Sea of Galilee, Lake of Gennesaret. It's, there's a, it's the same body of water, okay? And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats. Didn't ask. He just got in the boat. Sometimes he don't ask, you know. He's just kind of like that. So he got in the one boat, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now the first request, put out a little bit off the land. Okay, that's fine, preacher. I guess I can do that for you. You want to get your message out? Okay. But the next part is a whole different story. He says, Put out into the deep water. And let down your nets for a catch. Simon said, but master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say. In other words, he's saying it like this. Okay, but I mean, you're the preacher. So he's rolling his eyes at everybody else. Like, okay, preacher's using my boat. Now we're out in this water. I see what he did. I see how he got me in here. You know, now I'm in the, I can't, what am I supposed to do? Say no to the preacher. That's kind of what he did. He's already washed his nets though. 
So if you know anything about working on a project, if you've gotten your tools out, if you've been baking, cooking, anything you've done that takes some time, once you have finished a project and you've put everything up, it is now you're done. It, you know, at our place, if you work it on Saturdays, we're working outside doing something like that. The sun's going down. When you're done, you're done. We've put all the shovels up. We've put all the tools up. The hose pops are rolled up. The tractor's put up. This is done. We're done. We're closing shop, baby. You know, the sun's going down. I'm done. I'm tired. My back aches. My feet ache. I had boots on. I got mud on me. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to go inside, get something to eat, sit down, maybe watch a ball game if it's any good. That's the, pr- you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, Jesus says, after all that, go back out there and let down those nets. You say what? Over a guy who's a preacher. Let's just put it in context. I know we don't, we think we know Jesus now, but back then, we gotta look at what Peter was, what? Why would I do that? Why? You know how much work it's gonna be to pull all of my stuff back out and set up just to do this because it's the daytime. I mean, preacher, I hate to tell you, I don't want to embarrass you, but you don't fish in the daytime. We've been fishing all night because they see our nets and you know, fish see the nets. They see you. I mean, you've been out here preaching, rah, you know, scaring all the fish anyway. I mean, you don't think you understand how fishing works. But Peter says, yet, Okay, I'll do it. I'll let down the net. So when they did it and closed a great quantity of fish, the nets began to break. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. They began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because the catch of fish was so great that they had taken. And so also were with them James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear for now on, you're going to be fishers of men. When they brought their boats to the land, they left everything, and what did they do? You can liken this to a number of different things. It's important to understand how to return to the Lord, I think. That, you know what, when I was Peter on the boat, didn't want to get my stuff out again just like you, and Jesus got in my boat, and he overwhelmed me with his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. And I was completely astonished at what he would do. And because of what he did for me, what did I do? I'll go and do whatever you want to do. I remember being at a youth conference. My mom-in-law, she drug us all up there. You know, she was, they would disciple stuff. We go to this thing. I don't know if you remember, acquire the fire, man. You remember that, mom? You remember? We got to acquire the fire, baby. This dude's preaching. Like, I'm acquiring the fire. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, baby, we're going to acquire some fire. I was like, yeah, it's awesome, you know, kind of thing. We go in there. You know, you think you're strong, but remember, you're not. You're a sheep. You're not a bear. You're not a lion, a tiger. Oh, my, you are a sheep. That's what you are. So we're at acquire the fire, and everybody's like, we're pumped. Music was loud, smoke and everything. Man, it's great, man, with subs are thumping. People have been worshiping. Wow. Guy gets a bear to preach, and he brings it down, man. It's shaking the rafters. Everybody's like, yeah. We love Jesus. I mean, it's just a bunch of young people like just going crazy for Jesus. That's what you do because we're like strong people until he says to do something different. And he says, now here's what I want you to do. Oh, you people that are here. He's got that preacher voice. You know what I mean? Those guys that got that preacher. I don't have that. You know, those guys that they got that. Now here, you know, he's got that. It's just, it's like a Bishop Jake's. It just moves. You know what I'm saying? Just. It's like a, it's like a movie you're watching. You're like, man, this is like so, you know, it's just crazy. But 
He stops his one or two. We're turning all the lights off. It gets real dark. We're like, man, what's going on? We're about to pray down the house, cast out some devils. I mean, you know, you don't know what's coming. You're just like so fired up. He says, I want you to stand to your feet as the Lord prompts you. And I want you to say out loud in front of all your friends, I'm yours, Lord, and completely yours. And the room went silent. Just like this. Because all of a sudden that sheep comes out and says, I don't want to do that first. What about my friends are going to think I'm a weirdo? Oh, yeah, but we was just shaking the rafters five minutes ago. Subs were bumping, man. We were fired up. Why can't we say this? Because that sheep tendency rises up and says, wait a minute, that's like saying out loud in front of everybody. I'm going to like do whatever Jesus says. I'm on the hook for all this. Eventually, one by one, people began to do it. But it wasn't as loud as it was before. Because why? When you say yes, I'm going to follow him. It's a bit more real than just saying, yes, I will go to church. I will follow you. It's that thing that gets you, you know, I'm not saying he would, but it's that thing that could open a door for you going somewhere else. I can do whatever you want, God, whatever you want. What about China? I don't know Chinese. Don't know about that. Can I do something here? Those are the, follow me means follow me, right? So when Peter returns to the Lord, these are the things that he says. He, he returns to the Lord. He says, you know, I want you to return to me, Peter. I want you to follow me. So then how, if you were Peter, what do you think it was that Jesus gave him? And I'm going to give you these very simple things. They're very easy to do. It'll take like a couple of minutes. But don't you write them down or take a picture or whatever you need to do, okay? But the first thing he gave Peter was this, was I want you to return to my word. Now listen to me. We need to return to God's word. Our nation is in more problems than we realize. And it is because we refuse to turn to the Lord and allow him to heal us. And it ain't going to come from a bumper sticker and it's not going to come from a a boycott. It ain't going to happen because we all join up somewhere. It's going to happen when we return, first of all, as believers, to his word. If my people, not the states, if my people, which are called by my name, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not for Washington to do. I mean, you know, God bless them. You know, I, it's just a mess. You, you're looking for them to fix it. You're looking in the wrong place. If my people stop looking at them, what about them? What about them? Uh-uh. What about us? As for you, follow me. Return into what? Return to God's word. The word of the Lord. Old school preachers would say it like this. The word of the Lord says. Not just preach it to you. The word of the Lord says. And it was a very, you know, you just stop and take notice of that. It's his word. His word's eternal. In in Hebrews 4.12, you can read it later. But the word of God is sharper. It's more powerful than any two-edged sword. Its ability is to divide between soul and spirit. 
and the bones and marrow. That soul, spirit, and body. The word of God can help you in your soul, in your, in your body, and it can help you in your spirit. Whatever you need, the word will do that for you. If we return to it. Return to the word. Number two, return to the Lord empty. Empty. What that means is I'm going to follow you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm emptying of myself. I'm giving up what, what I want for what you want. I'm going to return to you empty. Do you remember the woman that was in debt because her husband didn't follow God's word in such a way, was left her in a mess? She was there with the two boys, had nothing, said, we got nothing. A prophet shows up and says, what's in the house? Very important thing. What's in the house? Well, I got a couple of, I don't know, got an empty jar over here. Go get it. Sometimes, see, we forget. Sometimes we forget that the Lord uses things around us and we think that we don't have anything, but we do. What's in your house? What is there? She went and found an empty vessel, began the work, and after she's done, he said, go and find all over. Get as many of them you can find. Find as many vessels you can find. Began to do that, and when she couldn't find any more, then the oil stops. But I'm telling you, what do you do? When you come to the Lord empty, he can fill it up. But if I come in there with buckets full saying, I got this, and I can, and I am, and I whatever, the Lord just looks and says, okay, have at it, big boy. Enjoy fishing at night with no fish. Have fun with that. Watch them nets tomorrow again and again and again until you decide to say, okay, Lord, I'm yours and I'm completely yours. My buckets are empty. You want me to fish during the day? That sounds about the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. But if that's what you say, this goes back to your word. At your word, I will let down the nets. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I ain't got no, I ain't got no problems. I'm good. No, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm good. Lord's good. I'm, I got victory and everything. That's fine. Okay, you're telling me you don't need anything? You're just, everything's great? Yeah, yeah, I'm great. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I got to be empty. I got to come to God empty-handed. And the last thing I would say, this sounds a little interesting, but return to God with a notebook. What? Uh-huh. A notebook. Because here's what I found. In my last couple of years of the nutty uh, chapter of this season of life we've all had, I, I forgot some of the most simple things about hearing from the Lord, one of which is a notebook. And you say, could you please explain further? I sure will. Habakkuk chapter 2. The prophet said, I will stand upon, I will guard, I will stand upon the ramparts, I will stand up in my tower, and I will wait to hear the answer that the Lord gives me. After he answers my complaint is actually what he says. One translation. I will stand there. And then the most famous thing we talk about all the time, churches use everywhere. Every time there's a vision thing, it's church. What, what do we say? Write the vision down so that he can run that reason. That's not just for church slogans. If God were to speak to you, would you remember it? Oh, yeah, I know I would. Eh. If I go before the Lord with his word and I come empty, why wouldn't I bring a notebook? Lord, what would you, what would you try to say to me today? If you sit down with someone and they ask a question of you, let me ask you a question. Which one do you think is more engaging if they're asking you for help? The one that's taking a note or the one that's going, uh-huh, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They ain't got it. The one that wrote it down, you go like, I'll meet with them again. 
So let me ask you this question this morning. You may think, well, a notebook, really? Yes, really. I want you to consider where we are today, okay? I'm going to pray for you in this area, but I want you to consider where we are. When Peter was asked Jesus to cast his net, his answer was much like ours. Really? That's, that's what you got? That's what I came here today for? That's it? Man, I'm, I've already been through this. You, you, you don't know what I've gone through. I've already fished all night. You don't understand what I'm going through, what I've been through. Yeah, but cast out again in the daytime. It makes no logical sense, but at your word I will do. <clears throat> it wasn't Peter's first choice, and it probably isn't ours either. And I'm not always excited, to be honest with you, about what the Lord asks me to do. I don't know about you, but I want to end you with this last little thought. I am not always excited about uh, what the Lord asks me to do. Are you? See, if you're a sheep, you'd be honest right now and say no. But you, if you're trying to be that little bear tendency, rather than like, I'm going to be a bear. No, I'm always on. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. Because let me just challenge you something right now. When, that, when the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, go talk to your neighbor about me. Are you like, well, yeah, Jesus. Like he was 20 minutes ago when he was worshiping God. Yeah, Jesus. You walk your driveway like, yeah. Some of you might. Most people are like, I think I have sore throat. I probably need to keep social distancing, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, that's so convenient now. I can't talk to you. I can't see you. If the Holy Spirit prompts you, go talk to your neighbor. That girl at the restaurant right now, stop, your, stop eating your burger and pray with her. Say, what? God, you know I love you. You know I'll do anything for you. Uh-huh, we'll pray for her. But God, she's going to think I'm an idiot. And then I'm going to have to tip her good because now she's going to know I'm a Christian. See, twofold. Get rid of that stingy spirit and pray for somebody. Anyway. Yeah, God, I don't really want to do what you asked me to do. We're all there. I mean, I didn't plan on volunteering in the church, but I guess I will. I didn't plan on being generous with my income, but I guess, okay. You know, you, we get in this stuff, right? How did I get in this? God, how'd you talk me into all this? Okay, here I am. Here's the thing I want to challenge you with this morning before you leave. That I just felt like saying this before we close. There are some of you here right now, I don't know where you're at or what's going on, but I just want to give you something. This is in uh, the book if you want to read it, but um, it's an interesting statement. I felt like it had implications for some of you in here today. But And it's this, intersections, they are not endings. They are simply new beginnings. Okay? So, intersections, they're not endings. They're simply new beginnings. Why would I say that? Because when you come up to a four-way stop sign in your life, and it feels like, this feels like it. I'm done with this. Now what? You may not know which way to go. It's not ending. It's just a new beginning. At every stop sign, it's a new beginning. For some of you in this room, I just I just felt like you know saying this this morning. Maybe God's got a new beginning for you. You're looking at the stop sign and you're not thinking about the new beginning. You're thinking about what you lost or what's gone or what's not there. Or man, you know it's the end of the road on this thing. Now what? Think about a new beginning. It's a new beginning. Oh man, when I turn the stop sign up here, which I hate, by the way, 
Does, don't, is, everyone else hates the stop sign right up here, correct? Everybody hates it. This whole neighborhood hates it. We're going to try and fix it. So it's sitting right there, and uh, I hate stopping at that sign because it's so out of place. But once I leave it, I'm happy. Isn't it true? No one likes to stop for the stop signs. But when you leave, you feel better. I'm just telling you, some of you, that's where you're at right now. It's a new season. It's a new beginning. Just embrace it. Stop looking back and, and look ahead at what's coming. This morning, I want to pray for you before we go. So I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head there where you are. Before you go, I'd love to pray over you in this area, especially concerning the Lord. And, and maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. Maybe you are here for the first time or you're watching online as well. You say, man, I just, I don't know if I know Jesus. I'd love to pray that prayer of, of follow me. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer right now. You just pray after me. The whole church is going to pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But just say this. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I just say to you today that I am yours and I am completely yours. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. Amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? You give me a hand. So if you fill that out, I mean, if you took the time to pray that prayer, I'd love for you to take some time to fill out something for us. Connect.cornerstonerome.com. And we'd love to help you get started walking with Christ, get you some materials to help you begin that process of discipleship, of following Jesus. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.